Fantastic. I've hit record. Hi, and welcome to On and Off, our podcast covering the on-premise and off-premise beverage alcohol industry. I'm Melissa Dowling, editor of Cheers. And I'm Kyle Swartz, editor of Beverage Dynamics Magazine. This podcast is brought to you by Brown Foreman Corporation, maker of fine wine and spirits such as Jack Daniels and Old Forester, personal favorite of mine. I was drinking some Old Forester cast strength just last night. At Brown Foreman, they honor their environment, and this respect is at the heart of their brands. Brown Foreman relies on the value of nature. Grain, grapes, agave, and clean water are all essential ingredients in their brands. Brown Foreman depends on healthy force to provide the oak for the barrels to age their whiskeys. They are committed to protecting and conserving these natural resources for their business and for future generations. Today we're going to be talking about sustainability in the beverage alcohol industry, and we have a very special guest joining us, Nick Martin, Executive Director of the Beverage Industry Environmental Roundtable. Beer is a technical coalition of leading global beverage companies working together to advance environmental sustainability within the beverage sector. Yes, we are thrilled to have Nick on with us today, so let's jump right in. So, In our 2020 sustainability reader surveys that we conducted a few months ago, we asked our retail and on-premise and wholesaler reader reader audiences if their customers or guests were more interested recently in sustainable products. So among the beverage wholesaler respondents, 58% said that customers were more interested in sustainable products. And that went down to 50% of retailers and just 27% of the on-premise operator respondents, which isn't a surprise given what's going on there. But um, are those, is that consistent with what you're seeing at beer? It, it, it is consistent. I mean, we don't do that exact type of research within beer, but it's definitely driving a lot of what we try to do collaboratively with our members. So. A, a lot, you know, all of our members are are accelerating their sustainability efforts, and you know, it's really driven by a couple of key stakeholders. So, obviously, investors all always play a, a major role for a private company, but then more and more, we're getting the customers as well as the consumers, and that dynamic between both of those—that's where the products are, are very much, you know, in the market, in front of of, of different audiences, and. We're starting to see a lot more interest. I mean, partly because we live in a transparent world, and so you know, individuals can go find out information on a company, on a product, um, to to a larger degree than they ever could before. But it's also just a younger consumer base, I think, that is inherently more interested in these topics, um, is is starting to play a, a, a larger role, um, which is great. It's starting to really accelerate the interest and accelerate the opportunities. Absolutely. You know, before we dive in too much deeper, I just want, Nick, if you don't mind uh, telling for listeners who are unfamiliar, who are the members of Beer? Yeah, no, great. Great question. So uh, stepping back, Beer did form in 2006, so we're going on our, our 15th year. Um, so the, the, the membership has changed over the years and it has continued to grow. Um, currently, we have 15 member companies, um, which includes the American Beverage Association as our only trade association that's been involved, and they've been involved from day one. Um, but our members span the various beverage categories, includes AB InBev, um, includes Bacardi, 
Beam Suntory, Brown Foreman, Carlsberg, Coca-Cola Company, Constellation Brands, Diageo, Heineken, Keurig Dr. Pepper, Molson Coors Beverage Company, Ocean Spray, PepsiCo, um, and Pernod Ricard um, would be the, the full membership at the moment. Man, that really is a wide uh, array of companies there. But, you know, one thing that unites a number of them that I've seen is a number of those companies have come out with uh, modern beverage container recycling, or I should say containers that are more easily recycled. I was just wondering uh, what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, it's definitely got a lot of attention and it's something that all of our members are, are very committed to. Um, you know, it, it really is a dynamic though, because oftentimes, you know, there's a lot of pressure to say, well, just make your containers recycle, recyclable, which, you know, that is one aspect of it is you have to design it to be more easily recycled, recycled. But you also can use a lot of recycled content within that design as well. So there's a lot of work being done on bringing materials back into um, usability and, and as recycled content into the package. But then it really comes down to it's one thing to have a package, have recycled content to be recyclable, but then to actually get recycled. And that's where there's the dynamic of really engaging with consumers. And so you see our member companies working across all of those dimensions. Um, but then there's also the, the policy aspects that play into it. And then just the infrastructures out there. You know, that's one of the challenges we face is it feels like every market has a different recycling and waste infrastructure, which makes it really, really challenging. If everything was harmonized across the world, it would be a whole different story. But that's just not where, where we are. No. Um, but, but they're all fully committed. And obviously, you know, plastic has gotten a lot of attention, but there's a lot of different materials. There's, there's plastics, there's aluminum and steel, um, you know, there's, there's, there's glass bottles as well. Um, all, all of those play a role in, in the beverage sector. What do you think about some of the products that we've seen come out? Johnny Walker, I know from Diageo, is looking at a paper uh, bottle. Mm -hmm. And uh, Bacardi recently, I believe, uh, um, improved their, uh, the recyclability of their products. I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on some of these new age bottles and containers. Uh, that we've yeah, no, it's fantastic. I mean, it's just innovation, you know. I mean, everybody's trying to find that balance between, obviously, the environmental aspects are really critical. You also have to have a certain um, um, stableness to, to the product itself just to, to, to allow it to be transported, to allow it to be handled. You have the health and safety side of it for the protecting the consumer. Um, you got to protect the product itself in terms of the amount of light that hits a product for certain types, especially in the, in the beer industry. You know, there's a lot of different kind of elements you have to think about to come up with what is the, the right design. But some of the innovation around different materials is, is, is really progressing fast. Um, there's a lot of innovative um, kind of um, high-tech firms that are getting in, involved in the space. Um, so it, it's exciting to see what's happening. And then, you know, even looking at the other aspects of the bottles, the, the labels, the caps, the inks that are used. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's kind of the, the whole package is what they're, they're really trying to, mm -hmm. to look at um, what's, what's optimal. Where would you say um, most of the interest is at a customer level? Is it um, the packaging or the actual production of the alcohol product or the distrib distribution of it? I, I think they all play a role, right? Um, you know, I, I think it depends on, on, on who the customer is and then who their consumers are. 
you know, for certain customers, it's very important to have a very presentable product on the shelves that gets attention, that drives buying patterns. Um, for others, it's trying to think about the life cycle of a product because a lot of these, a lot of these companies have goals that are not always synergized, but they need to be increasingly. So, you know, a company can set a goal, but they're really relying upon their supply chain, relying upon their customers to really achieve, you know, a reduction in their total footprint. So I think that's what you're starting to see is we're all in this together. We need to collaborate. That's been the great thing about beer is it shows that competitors can collaborate and therefore the full value chain really needs to collaborate if we want to try to address some of these, these greater challenges. You know, one of the topics I wanted to ask you about, and as somebody who lives in New England where the winters are getting less and less snowy every year, and I, I don't know if I'm complaining about that, but certainly <laughs> I should also uh, knock on wood. We're supposed to get hit with a nor'easter too. Exactly. Yeah, you're going to be here. sorry. <laughs> exactly. I'll this is recorded. <laughs> <laughs> so nor, nor'easter notwithstanding, uh, one of the topics on your website is climate change and some of the uh, impacts you see. Uh, on, you know, the alcohol industry and how we can um, deal with that. Just wondering what your thoughts were there. Yeah, it's gotten a lot of attention and, and rightly so. Um, you know, just all the research around global warming and what that really means in terms of, you know, extreme weather or weather variability. Um, you know, first and foremost, weather variability is really important for the beverage sector because a lot of beverages come from very specific geographies and they need very specific climates um, to, to produce a beverage. So, you know, that's something that's always been paid attention to by the industry, but now you're seeing a lot more attention from the disclosure standpoint and investors are really looking at this because, you know, it, it directly um, ties to, to the business's resiliency and success. Um, you know, TCFD, which is a task force for climate related financial disclosures, which is a bit of a mouthful, but that's something that really has started to drive a lot of progress because it has a lot of logic to it. So when you think about climate change, everybody thinks about the extreme weather, right? You, you think about the droughts, you think about floods, and those are all part of it. And TCFD looks at that as the physical risks, you know, everything that can happen, including natural disasters like earthquakes and, and, and landslides and so forth. But then they've also brought in the transition side of climate change, which is all the policy aspects. So if we are to really address climate change, that's, that's going to require some, some new policies, some new governance to really be more aggressive with trying to minimize the, 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 the warming of the climate. And so for a company, you kind of have that dynamic of both. You have to be resilient against the physical risks right? You don't want disruptions in your production. You got to be really careful of your raw materials and getting your market through your product to market. But you also have to think about this transition towards a low carbon economy. And so, you know, from our standpoint, we're, we're trying to address both. You know, we do a lot of work on the physical side and trying to reduce our footprint and protect the environment. But we also are doing work on that the decarbonization side. We actually just public, published a facility decarbonization playbook this week. Um, which is trying to help any industry, not just the beverage sector, but help their facilities transition towards this low carbon economy. Like how do you decarbonize your, your operations at a facility level? So maybe we could go from warming to cooling as in refrigeration, since that's something that affects both the on and off premise. And, you know, that's something I never really thought about that much, but that that's kind of a big deal, isn't it? 
Refrigeration globally is, is a big deal, especially if you think about it from an emissions and global warming standpoint. Um, it's something that has been addressed over time. The, the refrigeration technologies, certain things have been phased out just that were harmful to the environment, harmful to people. And so there, there has been some progress, um, but we're at a point where we really need to think about what's that next generation of cooling. You know, because it is really critical to not only beverage products, but food products. Right now, the vaccine has a lot of attention around keeping the vaccine cool and refrigeration. Yeah. But you realize how, how important refrigeration is to the world. And from our standpoint with beverages, you know, people want a cold beverage a lot of times. You know, that they either want the cold beverage or they want ice to cool their beverages. So it's, it's part of the experience and really enjoying and for some cases, especially distilled spirits, you know, the, the, the liquid and the cooling kind of can bring out um, some of the flavoring as well, especially on the, the, the water side or the ice side. So, you know, it, it's really important. We've taken this on as, as beer this year where, we're, where we have a subgroup that is looking at what is the future of coolers and what is it that needs to be addressed? Like, what can you do in terms of the design of a cooler just to be able to make it more circular, to be able to reuse the parts and pieces of a cooler right because you know they, they do have an end of life so we want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to to think about it from the the material standpoint and then also what is the the next generation of the cooling technology that really does take into account the the environmental and sustainability aspects because a lot of times it's about cost right you know a restaurant wants to keep their costs low so they don't necessarily always want to upgrade their cooling systems and, and their refrigeration but you know, if we can all kind of address this collectively, and that's what we really want to try to do this year is how do we, how do we collectively engage um, the, the suppliers of, of cooling equipment out there and really just try to have a, a shared vision on what the future looks like and then what's realistic to get there. You know, you can't transition something like this overnight. You know, it's really complex if you think about the amount of cooling that has to be done whether it's within trucks and transport, in retail establishments, in restaurants, et cetera. Absolutely. And, you know, part of that engagement is also going to be reaching out to consumers. I know we talked about consumer a little bit already, but I wanted you, and, and Melissa asked an excellent question before we were recording uh, that got you talking on the subject. So I wanted to make sure that we revisited it. But the importance of these brands telling their stories of sustainability is to consumers and making that clear and just the, the ways that these brands are um, highlighting the sustainability practices, how important is it that they connect with the consumer in that way? Oh, it's, it's, it's fundamental, right? Because I mean, the consumers are the ones that are consuming the beverages. So, you know, that's the ultimate audience that you're trying to really engage with. And, you know, the one thing I would say with a lot of distilled spirits is there is tremendous history. You know, I mean, if you look back at most of these brands, I mean, there's some of the oldest products that we have in, in the U.S. for sure. And then you think globally as well. You get into some of these distilleries are hundreds of years old, you know, and they have, you know, some really rich history and, and ties to their, their communities. So I think, one, there's just a great story to be told there. Right. And if you think about enjoying a distilled spirit, you know, it's all about stories. Right. You're trying to enjoy the time and share and, and, and reminisce and things like that. So there's kind of a natural connection. And then you're just starting to get a lot of um, um, younger generations, especially that care, you know, that they, they want to know what the story is. They're curious about why they're buying something versus something else and making those decisions. Um, so, you know, the consumer engagement is really key. Um, and, you know, there's more interest than there ever was before. And, and you brought up 
the, the, the example, I guess, it triggered this was the, the cooling equipment refrigerators, refrigerators. So if you think about a refrigerator, oftentimes they have the brand of the company or the logo of a product. And so that's one way that you, you engage more indirectly with the consumer. And sometimes you don't think about that, but that's why it's so important with some of the, the labeling and the messaging and some of the point of sale kind of, um, um, you know, advertisements that surround the products. That's, that's just such a direct engagement with the consumer. Hmm. And then a lot of them are also doing it on social media, obviously. I mean, that's become a big part of our society. Right. So what would you say is the most pressing issue in beverage alcohol sustainability today? I'd, I'd say the most pressing issue is how to fully engage with the supply chain. Because if you think about a supply chain for a lot of these products, you're getting into the raw material where you, you get into the agricultural side of the business. And for some of these companies, they don't own and control all of the, 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 the supply chain that they rely upon. But it's a large component of, of, a, of a footprint of a product, right, is on the raw material sourcing and the agricultural side. So, you know, it's a great opportunity. Um, if you think about water, if you think about transportation, if you think about, you know, land and soil um, health and protection, like there's just such great opportunities to have some really, really significant impact on the world if you can navigate how to engage your suppliers. But it's very difficult because it can be engaging a, a very large conglomerate provider all the way down to a, a very small um, individual family farm or, or, or you know, tens of thousands of individual family farms, potentially, depending upon what the material is. So, you know, oftentimes I think these companies, they, they get a lot of pressure and just say, well, you should have a sustainable supply chain, but I don't think people appreciate how complex that is. And supply chains are dynamic, right? Um, things change um, that, 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 that make you constantly trying to, you know, manage that, especially for a global company that, you know, manufactures or, or sells products in hundreds of, of countries. Um, it, it's just the, the magnitude of how complex that challenge is, is, is significant. But I, I will say from our membership, they haven't shied away from that. Um, you know, they're doing everything they can within their own operations because they control them and it's the right thing to do. And it's the, the only way to be genuine is to, to, is to walk the talk. But now they're really, really focused on the supply chain. And it's the supply chain from you know, just the traceability of, of, of the materials they source to engaging on water, engaging on climate, engaging on waste, engaging on packaging. Um, they're, they're, they're approaching it from, from all angles and they're, they're doing the best they can. Absolutely. You know, you're talking about how dynamic supply chains uh, are. I think no year proved that more than 2020, obviously with COVID-19 roiling supply chains, you know, not just in this industry, but in every industry. Um, but I Absolutely. wanted to ask, you brought up another thing I wanted to talk to you about, which was the, um, the, the, uh, the organic agriculture and sort of sustainability starting at the very earliest steps in the agricultural uh, aspect of alcohol. You know, I, I think two of the categories that have really played into this well recently are tequila, where obviously sustainability is critical, considering the uh, life uh, cycle of a plant takes so long, and the popularity of tequila has sent, uh, you know, means more production necessary, means more use of plants that don't necessarily, uh, their life cycles don't necessarily lend themselves to higher production. Uh, and then also wines, organic wines have obviously been a thing for a very long time, but a lot more wineries are now focusing on that, making that a core component of their branding and marketing. So I guess two-part question here. Let's start with tequila. You're just your thoughts on sort of the sustainability challenge facing the tequila category right now. 
Yeah, I mean, they're very reliant upon, you know, a, 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 a singular um, kind of raw material just in the agave. So, you know, they, that's critical to the product, but it's also an industry that has been very progressive and they've appreciated that for a long time. So you see a lot of collaboration with that and in that industry and a lot of focus on sustainability. You might have seen we actually launched a collaboration in Guadalajara, Mexico, which, you know, involved our, our, our member companies that have tequila operations there, as well as some of the other other members also. Um, but they recognize that they recognize the importance of protecting their that industry and and really embracing agave and the in the, the production of it, but also doing it in a very sustainable way. And the way they look at it is, you know, you want to be regenerative, right? You want to try to give back to the land and know that you're going to be there for the long term. And so, you know, they, they, they focus a lot on those production practices, on sharing best practices, on trying to replicate those. Um, and then, you know, agave itself is, is very resilient, you know, from a water standpoint, it, it doesn't require a lot. And so it's, you know, in, in, a, in a fairly arid region, but it's still a very healthy and abundant um, um, raw material. And with the uh, organic wine movement, I was just thinking uh, your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think a lot of the, the, the progress, progress, progressiveness of the agriculture industry has been really good. And a lot of it has been driven through the wineries and vineyards, um, just because, you know, if you invest in a wine in a, in a vineyard, you're, you're, you're there and you're kind of all in on that vineyard, right? Because it takes a while for the grapes to mature to get to a certain, you know, production standpoint. And, you know, the, that that's 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 your product for for the, the that year. So you know, there's been a lot of focus on that. I think it's been really interesting that it's gone from a lot of traditional agriculture, which was heavy on fertilizers, chemicals, and so forth, transitioned into more sustainable agriculture, which the beverage sector adopted you know years and years ago. To then you're starting to see a lot more on the regenerative agriculture or organic side, where it's just simply trying to. Um, you know, harvest your crops or your raw materials in the most sustainable way you can by re-nurturing the, the soil and, and the earth, giving back and, and, and thinking about multiple generations ahead versus just an annual crop that you're trying to harvest. And so there's a lot of really great techniques. It depends on the product. Um, it, it depends on the region that you're growing it in. There's, there's no recipe for how to do it perfectly, but there's a lot of really great innovation out there. Um, we did a lot of work a couple of years ago within beer on a re regenerative agricultural guidance document. Um, you know, carbon, carbon farm plans have gotten a lot of attention where you try to, you know, really reduce your impacts on, on, on the, the agricultural fields, but you also try to really manage carbon because there's a lot of opportunities to use regenerative agriculture to address climate change. Um, carbon sequestration has gotten a lot of attention. There's some really great work out there about how important soil is to climate change. And most people would never make that connection, right? You wouldn't even yeah. think about it because you always think climate change in the air, but yeah. so soil is so important in managing carbon and mm -hmm. sequestering carbon into the soil um, that it's gotten a lot more attention. That's fascinating. Yeah. Well, I think we are just about out of time. There's definitely a lot of ground to cover here. So I, we'll have to revisit this topic and, uh, get to some of the things we, we didn't get to discuss. Um, but I want, want to thank you, Nick Martin, for joining us. And thanks to all of you out there for listening to On and Off. Yes, thank you very much, Nick. If you'd like to learn more about the Beverage Industry Environmental Roundtable, be sure to check out their website at beerroundtable.com. And that's beer spelled B-I-E-R.
Uh, Nick, you were telling us earlier that with the uh, term beer, that makes you the, what was it, the manager of beer? No, I'm sorry. What was it? Uh, the director of beer. That's my favorite title. <laughs> yeah, I've been involved since day one and I've been director for a couple of years now. But it's a great organization. I encourage you to check it out. We, we try to put everything we produce. Um, we, we try to externally pu publicize it and share it because, you know, it's really valuable to other sectors as well. So would welcome any collaborations and, and definitely appreciate being on the podcast and, and you helping us kind of share our story. Absolutely, Nick. Thank you again. And to everybody listening, thank you for listening. And be sure to check out future uh, episodes of On and Off, our podcast. Thank you very much and cheers. Cheers. Once again, this podcast is brought to you by Brown Foreman Corporation. Their commitment to environmental sustainability aims to protect and conserve natural resources for their business and for future generations. As we celebrate this holiday season, Brown Foreman encourages everyone to pause and reimagine the holidays and celebrate responsibly. All right, going to stop recording.